Thank you for listening to the sermon podcast of the Potter's House in Virginia Beach. church with a worldwide vision for winning souls, making disciples, and planting churches. We're a Pentecostal church affiliated with the Christian Fellowship Ministries. We hope you enjoy today's sermon. Turning to the book of John and chapter 8, Gospel of John chapter 8. We are so grateful for faithful people again and again doing the will of God. So grateful for people who have a vision for the things of God. And we are glad that you are here today. John chapter 8. We're going to be reading, starting in verse 31 in just a moment. And what we find in the Word of God is that when Jesus presents us with the path to life, the path to to knowing Him, the path to uh, freedom, that there is really only one path. There have been many people, and maybe you've heard this before, who make a, a familiar statement saying, there's only one God, and there are many paths that lead to Him. Have you heard that before? Yeah. And perhaps it's spoken in, uh, uh, it, with good intentions, But uh, by saying there's one God and many paths that lead to him, we lead ourselves into uh, dangerous territory. Many people are intending to make a way for everyone to get to heaven, but at the same time begin to lower the standards of what Scripture actually tells us. Jesus had a different message, didn't he? John 14, verse 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. In other words, there's only really one true path that leads to eternal life. There's only one path that leads to the Father, and that is through the Lord Jesus Christ. John 10, verse 9, I am the door. And if anyone enters by me, he will be saved. Acts 4:12. Nor is there salvation in any other. For there is no other name under heaven. How many other names under heaven? There is no other name under heaven by which men must be saved. 1 John 2, 23, Who denies the Son does not have the Father. He who acknowledges the Son has the Father also. Finally, 2 John 1, 9, Whoever transgresses and does not abide in the doctrine of Christ does not have God. Let me tell you, Jesus is pretty important. He's kind of a big deal. So I hear. And without Jesus, you are not going to be able to know the true God, the creator of all things. There is only one true path that leads to God. When Jesus described the path that leads to eternal life, he described a straight and narrow path. A path that If you're going to follow it, it's going to require 
your acknowledgement, your attention, your focus. Listen, we don't, we don't just coast our way into heaven, do we? The, the path to eternal life is a straight and narrow path, and it's very easy to fall off one way or the other. But the path to destruction, Jesus said, is wide. And many there are who are led to destruction. It's like the superhighway. Easy to travel on, smooth sailing. You know when they resurface the road, all of a sudden your car, it feels like it goes, ah, you get on that smooth blacktop. That's what it's like many times. The road to hell is a smooth and easy ride. And I'll tell you how to get to hell. It's really not that hard. You just do nothing. If you just live the life that you want to live, eat, drink, and be merry, live according to what your flesh dictates, hey, it's pretty easy to get there. You don't even have to try. That's where we end up by default. There, are, there is one true path to God. One path to life. One path to eternal peace. But there is thousands and millions of paths that lead to destruction. I want to uh, preach a message that I've entitled The Paths to Slavery this morning. And I want to identify a few common paths that sometimes even believers find themselves wandering on these paths thinking... Well, maybe I know a little bit better. Maybe because of the, 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 the time that we live in, it's different than it used to be. So it's okay for me to wander on these certain paths. I want to expose a few lies of our generation in this uh, message today. And I want to begin by reading this scripture in John chapter 8. And speaking about the freedom that Christ has ordained for us. Jesus said to those Jews who believed in him, If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Verse 33, they answered him, We are Abraham's descendants, and we have never been in bondage to anyone. How can you say we will be made free? Jesus answered them, Most assuredly, I say to you, Whoever commits sin is a slave of sin. And a slave does not abide in the house forever, but a son abides forever. Therefore, if the son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. Let's pray for just a moment. Father, we come by the blood of Jesus, and I thank you for your word, which has so much power to change our lives and to speak to us and to bring clarity and understanding in our lives. I'm praying once again today that your spirit would have his way upon our hearts. Lord, I pray that you would open the ears, expose the paths that we are wandering on that are leading to us to destruction. I pray, God, that your people would be a people of freedom, a people that walk in your word, that will live according to your truth, that we also may experience this freedom that you have ordained for us. And we thank you, Lord, for the work that you are going to do, even in this place, in Jesus' mighty name. God's people would say, Amen. Amen. So the paths to slavery. 
There are a few, there are many that we could talk about this morning, and I could probably spend a whole series of sermons talking about the paths that lead us to slavery. But I want to focus in on three specific paths that are very common, even, yes, in the lives of believers. Now, I'm not preaching to those sinners out there. I'm preaching to the reformed and redeemed sinners that are in here. Is that okay this morning? So I want to preach about, first of all, the, the first path to slavery, and it is the path of ignorance. Now, if I was to call you ignorant, you might get offended. We live in a highly offendable generation. But ignorance in itself is not something to be ashamed of. Ignorance, we define that word simply as lacking knowledge. It doesn't mean you're stupid. It doesn't mean you're a fool. Ignorance simply means not understanding or not having information. Now, many people might say ignorance or what you don't know doesn't kill you. But that, beloved, is a fairy tale. How many people wish that they knew that a tornado was on its way or that a hurricane was coming but didn't have a warning? How many times a tsunami would uh, overwhelm an entire city or, or village? If only they would have had prior knowledge. If only they would have had information, their lives could have been saved rather than being destroyed. Yes, what you don't know can kill you, can destroy you. So many of God's people are destroyed simply for the lack of knowledge. The lack of spiritual understanding. What I love about God is that he has given us an infinite source of knowledge and understanding, hasn't he? It's right here. An ancient book that has the power to inform your life today. How many of God's people are destroyed simply because they will not pick up this book and treat it seriously? How many people are destroyed because the only time we read the Word of God is on Sunday morning or on Sunday night? And only when the preacher uh, gives us a, a scripture to look up. Oh, I know where that one is. And we impress ourselves with how, uh, with how many books we can recite, but do we actually apply it to our lives? I want to remind you that reading and worship are both instruments of freedom. What you don't know can kill you. I wonder how many areas of your life you're walking on a road to destruction simply because you haven't done enough learning. What I love is I love to discover people who are advanced in age. I'm not going to call them old. People who are advanced in age who still have a love for learning things. So just this week, many of you know I work with computers. I had a guy come into our shop, and, uh, and he's got this uh, MacBook Pro, very fancy computer, even though it's a little bit older. But he brings in his, his MacBook Pro, and he, or his Mac Pro, the big one, the big tower thing, and he wants to upgrade this computer. And I said, why is this guy upgrading? He wants to put a new video card and a new processor and more memory. I'm thinking, what is this guy doing? He's, uh, he comes into, this, into our building. He's got full white hair. Wow. 
He's got glasses and he's got hearing aids. And, and he's, uh, he's carrying this big heavy computer. He plops it up on our bench. He says, I'd like, to, uh, I'd like to get a quote for upgrading all these things. I said, what are you doing? He says, well, actually, I'm part of a church. I said, praise the Lord. And he says, I actually run the video ministry for my church. I'm doing a lot of video editing, and so I had to learn this new program on the Mac for video editing. And uh, uh, so this program requires uh, better, better hardware on my computer, so I'd like to pay so that my church can have better video editing software. I'm like, how old are you? He, he's, he said, I'm, I'm over 70, young man. He said, I used to video edit this other version, version 7, but now they released this version 10, and I'm, I'm trying to learn. And you know, that gave me so much hope. Thank God that you can still teach an old dog some new tricks. I love discovering people who love to learn. Because that is something that I love to do. I love to come across new information. I love to read information and, 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 uh, and listen to people who know things more than me. I love to be able to challenge the things that I believe. Some of us, you know what we do is we get so comfortable in the things that we think we know and we're spending so much time in our echo chamber of social media where we've become the experts of some certain topic that we can't learn anything. Today in the United States, tragic, tragic statistic, one in seven adults are unable to read a typical story in a common newspaper. Long-awaited federal study finds that 32 million adults in the United States, about one in seven, have such low literacy skills that it would be tough for them to read anything more challenging than a children's picture book or to understand a medication's side effects listed on a pill bottle. One in seven. There are many communities trying to tackle the problem, but it's getting worse. The statistics show that from 1992 to 2003, about 23 million adults were added to this population. 3.6 million more joined the ranks of adults with low literacy skills. It would be a challenge even to read this very article. Now, I don't think that there's, uh, there may be some people in here like that, but the, what I see, what, what that really is, is a lack of self-motivation. I really don't want to learn anything. Just, uh, you put a book in somebody's face, it's like you put a foreign object from outer space in their hands. Book? Read a book? What do you mean, read a book? I'd rather watch a YouTube. It's sad to me to think that some people never challenge themselves with new information. Never read the news, never read history, never read the Bible, never read something to improve your marriage or your parenting or your ability to make money. No wonder your life stays the same. When's the last time you finished a book? 
I am, I, I'm one of these guys that likes to start a lot of books. I don't finish a whole lot because it takes some time and it takes some effort. The good news this, this morning is that you can fix ignorance with learning. Jesus made it possible for us to be able to learn. It said that when he was a young man that he increased in knowledge and in stature both with God and men. Are you increasing this morning in knowledge and in stature? Are you increasing in your ability to understand the word of God? Have you heard or read something in the last 30 days that has challenged what you think you know? If not, then maybe you're slipping onto the path of ignorance, which can lead to destruction. See, it's important for you to know things, isn't it? It's important for you to understand certain principles, especially spiritual things. For us to bumble through life as though there is no spiritual reality is to guarantee certain doom. We must understand spiritual things. And if we're going to understand spiritual things, beloved, we've got to be students. Part of being a disciple is being a student of the word of God. A student. Let me talk about the second path to slavery that I see so commonly both in the world and in the church. And it is the problem of debt. You're not going to get mad at me, are you? (laughs) Listen to this quote from one of our founding fathers. I place economy among the first and most important virtues and public debt as one of the greatest dangers to be feared. To preserve our independence, we must not let our rulers load us with perpetual debt. If we run into such debt, we must be taxed in our meat and drink, in our necessities and in our comforts, in our labor and in our amusements. If we can prevent the government from wasting the labor of the people under the pretense of caring for them, they will be happy. Thomas Jefferson. And yet, our federal government is... Uh, is uh, setting a great example for us, right? Every year, another trillion in debt. Another trillion in debt. No big deal. It's just Washington's money, right? But I'm not here to give you a political sermon. I am here to talk about your debt. Debt is a huge problem in our generation. The average American has over $20,000 just in credit card debt. It is an incredible thing to think about because debt is a path that leads to slavery. It is not something that we can take on to ourselves without a cost. Without a cost. Can we receive advice from the Word of God? I just got done talking about how important the Bible is. And there are some people shouting, Amen, Pastor, Amen. Well, let's read some scriptures then. 1 Samuel 22, or sorry, Proverbs 22, verse 7, the rich rules over the poor, and the borrower is servant to the lender. It's it's been in there for 2,000, 3,000 years. But when we don't listen to it, we think we've got a better way. 
Oh, but the guy said I could get a loan, so that means I should just take it, right? Amen. And we become slaves. Proverbs 22, verse 26. Don't agree to guarantee another person's debt or put up security for someone else. If you can't pay it, even your bed will be snatched from under you. <laughs> That's like real life in reenactment for some people, huh? Amen. <laughs> When we find ourselves in overwhelming amounts of debt, we will also find ourselves in slavery. You'll be finding yourself doing things you don't want to do. You'll be finding yourself working at jobs you don't want to work at. You'll be finding yourself going to places and dealing with people that you don't want to go and you don't want to deal with. That's what debt causes. It's, don't you wish you would have heard this advice when you were 15 years old? Teenagers, you got to listen to this. If you want to not be a slave, if you want to live a life of freedom, don't get into debt. You know what's a you know what's a great idea? You should listen to the advice of previous generations that came before us. Grandma's advice is save up for a rainy day. Amen. So that way, when it rains, you ha you don't have to go to the bank. You can pay out of your pocket. That is fantastic, fantastic advice. When we think we know uh, better than that, when we think we can do better, when we think that we've got a better idea, it leads us to slavery. It is one thing to point our fingers at politicians and say, you idiots, and they are, for putting our nation in such a precarious financial position. Do you know how much our government pays in interest every year? $200 billion. It's, it's more than I can even fathom. Every year, just to interest, just to some foreign entity that doesn't really like us very much. What we must do, beloved, is we must get out of debt. But there is more than just financial debt that causes us to be slaves. How many know that we have a debt to God? Our debt is our lives, what Christ has done for us. There's a debt, and we ought to spend our lives, beloved, we ought to spend our lives getting out of debt. Listen to what Paul said in Romans 13, verse 8. Owe no one anything except to love one another. For he who loves one another has fulfilled the law. It would be a great idea. You find yourself on the road to, to slavery to get off of it. One of my favorite quotes is from Winston Churchill, World War II. He says, if you find yourself going through hell, keep going. Don't stop. Because there is life on the other side. Maybe you, you hear this and you say, Pastor, there's just no hope for me. That's not true. You can begin making decisions today that can take you off of the path leading to destruction. Let's look at the final path that can lead to great destruction. And it is the problem of sin. And especially the problem of secret sin. Can I still preach this morning? I'm trying to help you. I'm trying to save you from future destruction. You know why? Because I care about you. Sin 
causes destruction. And we know that on a biblical, on a theological level. We can say, oh yes, Pastor, we know that uh, Adam and Eve in the garden, you know, they sinned and uh, brought forth death. And now the doctrine of original sin has been translated into my life and into my children's lives. And we can give ourselves a theological understanding, hopefully. And then when it comes to the time when you are stressed out, when you are afraid, when you are isolated, that we find ourselves repeating the same habits and we go back to a vice that somehow gives us some sense of comfort. Sin is addictive. And Jesus said it in our scripture, verse 34, most assuredly I say to you, whoever commits sin is a what? Is a slave of sin. You are owned by the sins that you commit. Jesus gives us insight here into how sin works. It is more addictive than alcohol. It is more addictive than cocaine, than heroin. Sin, beloved, is an addictive behavior, mentalities. Anger can be addictive. Hello? Jealousy can be addictive. Bitterness can be addictive. These are attitudes of our heart. These are sins of the mind and of the spirit. And when we find ourselves going back to them, pornography is lust. That's addictive. And we go back to it again and again because it offers some sense of pleasure for a moment. But causes us to be a slave. See, the problem is when you reach out to put your hand onto a vice, onto a life of sin, onto a decision of sin, you know what happens? That sin reaches out and grabs your hand and says, come with me. I want you to remember that image. The next time you are tempted in anger, in bitterness, in lust, you reach out your hand to touch that which you know is evil. And the hand of sin reaches back and grabs on. Says, you're coming with me. That's what sin does. It makes us a slave. But I am not here just to chew you out. I'm here to remind you that we were not created to be slaves. We were made in God's image. And that means if God is created... Uh, God has created his people. He's created every man in his image. He has not created us to be slaves forever. Our sin makes us slaves. Our bad decisions, our ignorance, our debt and a lack of discipline, all of it leads to slavery, but that's not how God made you. And Jesus Christ went through hell and back so that you wouldn't have to stay there. Aren't you glad this morning? Our scripture said in John chapter 8, he said, Most assuredly, I say to you, who, whoever commits a sin is a slave of sin. A slave does not abide in the house forever. That's the destruction that we're talking about. But a son, a son abides forever. Therefore, if the son makes you free, then you shall be free indeed. You shall be utterly free and totally free. The freedom that we have through Jesus Christ, the freedom that is offered in this scripture, 
is something beyond just what a psych- psychologist can offer to you. It's more than just a reformed lifestyle or a new set of habits. It is the freedom to be able to live for God without distraction, without the fear. The freedom that God gives us to live for Him. Some people think the Christian life is so boring, so restrictive. Oh, you have to follow all those rules. Oh, I would never. And yet, you know, uh, as as a believer in Jesus Christ, you know, we have the freedom to serve God. We have the freedom to go to heaven. We have the freedom to be in His presence. Sinners don't have that freedom. They think that they have freedom by living up a party lifestyle or by doing drugs or by being angry and convicted all the time. That's a life of slavery, beloved. And ultimately leads to destruction. God did not create us. How is it this morning that we can make the transition from the path that leads to slavery and find ourselves then on the path that leads to life. It was in our scripture, verse 32. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. The truth. Remember when Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. When you know the truth, when you know Jesus, when you spend your life seeking out His will, seeking out His Word. Say, Jesus, I want to learn more about You. I want to know more about You today than I knew yesterday. Then He's going to show you some things. The truth will make you free. Sometimes it will make you miserable first. Sometimes Jesus will say things to you that you won't want to hear. Sometimes the truth will impact on our soul. But without it, we will never be free. One of the real life, the real world examples of this is when Jesus speaks to the woman at the well, a Samaritan woman. And Jesus begins speaking to her and strikes up a conversation with her. And she begins to, uh, to speak back to him. And uh, she says, certainly you're a prophet, sir. You're speaking all of these amazing things. And the, one of the first things Jesus said to her was, where's your husband? He spoke some truth, didn't he? Because here's a woman who was not living right. She said, I've had five husbands. And the one that I'm living with now is not my husband. That's pretty real. You say the Bible doesn't speak to issues today? I think that that's happening every day in our generation. And he says, bring your husband. Now, some people might get offended by that. Well, what did my husband, my, uh, my personal life, Jesus? Jesus begins to deal with the issue. She, see, she is on a path that if she stays on that path, you know what it leads to? Destruction. And Jesus has to speak truth to her. He's not belligerent. He's not starting a fight. He's not being a jerk. He is simply speaking the truth in love. Sometimes, beloved, we, we have to be able to receive that from, from people that care about us and love us. If someone is trying to speak truth to you imperfectly, sometimes 
in a difficult way, but we have to be able to receive it like that Samaritan woman. If she would have shut down at that moment and said, gee, uh-uh, talk to the hand, then she stays on the path to destruction, doesn't she? But because she humbles herself, she begins to listen to Jesus. Jesus is able to speak to her. Woman, I have water that when you drink of this water, you will never thirst again. And she says, I need this water. What do I have to do? See, the truth, it might hurt your feelings. It might cramp your style. The truth, if you're around long enough, you're going to hear a few sermons that you're not going to like. But you know, I made up a decision a long, uh, I made up my mind, I made a decision a long time ago. If I ever hear a sermon that I don't like, it's probably because that's the one I need to hear the most. And I said, I'm not going to let my heart get twisted. I'm not going to get mad at the preacher. I'm going to say, God, is there something in my heart that needs to change? Is there something you're trying to set me free from? Am I on a path that leads to destruction? And my challenge this morning is if Jesus is trying to deal with an area of your soul, if you read the scripture as a true student, you will come across scriptures that will impact you. But the Lord is trying to set you free. God created you as a son of freedom, not as one to be kept in bondage. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. As we bring this service to a close, I do thank God, every person here, for your attention and for the Word of God impacting our souls. We thank you again for listening. Do you want to receive updates from our church in your inbox? make sure to sign up at our website, vvph.org. If this message has been a blessing to you, would you consider supporting our ministry with a generous donation? Please visit our website, vvph.org, and scroll down to find the Give button at the bottom of the page. We would be so grateful for your support. Until next time, love God and love people.